So Kelly, I understand that Iron Man made some announcements about announcements this week. I don't know what they are. So I'm so excited to hear what the potential announcements are. <laughs> so that's, uh, that must be exciting for you because for so many people, it's, it's really killed the excitement <laughs> by the time the announcement <laughs> actually comes. So they announced, they like tweeted out a photo earlier this week of a, I guess it was like a pixelated picture of, anyway, everyone knew what it was. And then they announced that they were going to announce this like the new thing. And then they announced that they were going to announce this new thing in Memphis. <laughs> You're like, what could they be announcing? So they announced a new race in Memphis. And then when I was making fun of this and I was like, well, whatever happened to St. George came back as part of a plan to have three new, like three full Ironmans that were going to rotate. And they never oh, yeah. announced the next two after St. George. And then everybody right. said, Oh no, 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 it's going to be Coeur d'Alene guys. You jumped the gun. Iron Man hadn't announced that yet. It just, it had already been decided by the city council and voted on. And there were like newspaper articles, but then Iron Man announced <laughs> that they were going to make another announcement about Coeur d'Alene. <laughs> so wait, Coeur d'Alene had already let like the cat out of the bag. Yeah. Kind of thing. Yeah, but like, now, like, now, but then, Oh, but then the best part about Coeur d'Alene letting the cat out of the bag was that the newspaper article said Coeur d'Alene was going to officially announce it at some sports festival like last week. <laughs> so that's what already was announced in the town, but now Iron Man's going to announce it later this week that there will be a full back in Coeur d'Alene rotating every three years. So we still don't know what the third one is though, of the three that will be rotating. Well, I mean, there are definitely some exciting things to be announced then. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, obviously, obviously. <laughs> Okay, coming up on the show, Kelly and I are going to do a full debrief of the Outspoken Summit last weekend. We're going to discuss women's anger. When is it good and when should, when should it be shared and when should it not be shared? And our favorite mom has a voicemail. And you forgot the last thing? And oh. should you buy oh. Iron Man right now? Yes, it is now a great time to buy Iron Man after this. Sarah, I hear they have noon endurance in Canada now. Oh, Canada, baby. Finally. I use the sport tabs, the basic tabs at CrossFit. Well, I use the noon endurance. Citrus mangoes, the way to go. And now you can try that too in, you know, up north. Up here in Canada. You can order any of these or the rest tabs to help you sleep or the immunity tabs to fight off those bugs. And you can do that by using the code IRONWOMEN. I'm not saying that to you, Kelly. I'm saying this to the people at home. <laughs> The code IRONWOMEN at NoonLife.com. And go check out their new community of women doing cool stuff at Noonness, uh, their TV channel on YouTube. I'm Kelly O'Mara. And I'm Sarah Gross. And you're listening to Live Feisties If We Were Riding. So I think the answer to how is the summit is you are very tired. Clearly, <laughs> The brain fart I had during the opening sequence wasn't enough to convince folks. Yeah. Yes, I am. I'm a little tired. It's like, it's a low key tired. Like I'm not like full on exhausted or anything. I'm just kind of like bumbling through the day. You know? Oh, interesting. I was very tired. I 
told Steve I felt like I had been hit by a truck, and he said that was insensitive people who have actually been hit by trucks. So, fair, fair. But I was very tired after. It was very exhausting. All that so, learning and growing, Sarah, it's exhausting. I know. Okay, I wish I could feel that. Like, I wish, you know, if you if you feel that kind of deep fatigue, you can just sleep, you just go, you sleep for 12 hours, you have a couple good meals, and you bounce back, right? But with this, like, sort of low-key not quite tired, a little bit tired. I know it's just going to take me a little bit longer. It, it, it honestly, it had to do partially with like the back, back to back of Kona and then the summit coming a month later where in between I just ran like a crazy person trying to get everything done. Okay. I feel like we are maybe not making the summit sound great for people who weren't there. <laughs> I feel like we're not selling it. So why don't we actually tell them what happened besides not sleeping? Okay. So okay. I sleeping. No. Okay. This like, honestly, the summit was like the energy and the people at the summit were amazing. Like it, unlike last year, I had unlike I last had, year, unlike last year. No, <laughs> sorry. That was the beginning of a new sentence. Last year <laughs> was wonderful as well. <laughs> but unlike last year, beginning of new thought, <laughs> I had people like I had people afterwards, literally like hugging me and crying and being like, thank you for creating this space. And we feel so included. And like a lot of like a lot of that kind of feedback that, that we had sort of created a space where as, as we know, like tough conversations could take place, but also that people felt welcomed. And there were a lot of meaningful conversations, I think happening between people as well. And a lot of those kinds of connections. So I think that would be my main take home in terms of like positive take home that we were able to create that environment. I feel really good about that. So everyone keeps using the phrase tough conversations, like triathlete magazine wrote a like five takeaways from the conference. Um, a couple of people have like written blog posts and everyone keeps saying, Oh, there were some tough conversations. And I feel like that's like a euphemism here. I feel like we should, what are we talking about when we say that for the people who weren't there? What do we mean when we say, Oh, there was some, some tough, tough introspection happening. Yeah. So I think one, one of those times was certainly during the conversation around gender and sport that happened, the panel that happened after Dr. Rachel McKinnon's keynote. And it got, it got a little bit heated and you could tell some people were expressing anger. And I think probably, yeah, there, I think that that that's hard for us. You know, that's hard for people to, it makes people uncomfortable. Right. And so I think that was I think that was difficult for, for some people. Yeah, it was interesting. I mean, I think um, there was a lot of discussion of D- Dr. McKinnon, and I kept saying Rachel because I couldn't remember her name, and then I felt bad. I wasn't, like, taking away her doctor title. Do you feel bad when people don't call you Dr. Gross? I don't personally feel bad, but I don't work as a researcher right. and, and teacher at a university, right, where she, where she does. Like, she's right. a professor, right? you know, and she's a, she's a professional, like, around trans rights, gender and inclusion in sport. Like that is what she does. That's what she spends her whole days on yes. <laughs> days and nights researching. I just realized yes. after that, I kept not saying, and that's why I felt bad, but Dr. McKinnon's talk on human rights, trans rights and sports rights was really interesting. And I did include a link to a very similar talk she had done uh, that she posted on YouTube. So you can go and like get some of the, some of the some of what she said, you won't get the full experience. Oh, also you can get the full experience because we posted it on our Facebook page. Oh, there you go. You can do that too. So there you go. So you can go to the Outspoken Facebook page and the talk that Rachel McKinnon's talk is there in a video. So we'll include that in the show notes. But I was going to say, so that was really good and interesting. And it was followed up 
by yeah, a conversation about like what is gender? Why do we conceive of gender as binary? Um, the history kind of of how that has not always been the case. Like where are we getting our biases from? What do we think of when we think of women? And so where I was going with this is I think for a lot of people, those were new questions or new ideas. Uh, I mean, even some of the questions were new to me and I've certainly spent a lot of time thinking like plenty of time thinking about these things. And when there are like new questions and new ideas and you have to be like, wait, why do I think that men are inherently better than women at sports? And then you realize like you think that because of some set of biases, right? Like they're not better than women at all sports. Like it depends on your sport and it depends on your lens and it depends on like who you're talking about. And when you start to examine that, you realize then you're like, oh shit, is this me? And which I think is also when we say like, oh, I think that's uncomfortable. I think that's the uncomfortable part when you're like, ooh, what is it like? Where, where do I fit into this? Because everything is obviously always about you personally. Yeah. When like, yeah, I think that that is one of the things that was, was happening there is, is that sometimes when worldview, when our worldview is challenged and even as a moderator standing up there. I was having my worldview challenged. Were so, you like right there in the moment? Just right there. Just, yeah. And I had a million follow-up questions that I knew wouldn't interest anyone but me. So I didn't Yeah, you didn't them. even ask my question. I'm still going to be, I'm going to be angry about that forever. Just so you know, it's fine. She said, she said my question wasn't of interest to the room. So, <laughs> but yeah, it was, int- it was a, there were like quite a few moments when we say like, oh, people, there were tough conversations. People, you know, had to sit with their discomfort. It was a topic that kept coming up over the weekend was when someone is angry, angry about how they've been treated, angry about how they're not being treated, angry about how they fit in, angry about, you know, what's happened in the past. What was good, like there's anger. And so this mm-hmm. this, this like idea about anger kept coming up over the weekend. And like, when is it? And I said before the podcast, I didn't want to say when is it appropriate because appropriate infers that someone gets to decide, you know, what is it yeah. appropriate, but when is it useful? When is anger useful? Yes. And when is it not? And that's like, I don't know that I have an answer. Like, like I was saying to Lisa, your, co- your co-founder, that when people think I'm too angry, sometimes I care and sometimes I don't, right? Like sometimes I'm like, oh, good point. And sometimes I'm like, fuck it. I am angry. Fuck you. Like, who cares? So like sometimes it's useful and sometimes it's not. And sometimes you're angry. You should be. Angry. And sometimes it's like, ooh, this isn't going to get me what I need right now. Yeah, it's true. I mean, I'm not so it's funny because I'm of two minds about this because I'm not someone who gets angry a lot. And I don't say that like that's not like a braggy thing. That's just I realize I'm like culturally conditioned. You're Canadian. I'm Canadian partially because I'm a woman. I internalize anger and turn it turn it into sadness. Like like literally I learned this when I was in therapy and my therapist is like, you need to learn to be angry because um, I would just like cry all the time. She's like, yeah, no, you're not, you're, you're not sad. You're angry. Come on, Sarah. So as someone who struggles to, to express anger, I have to say, I have, I, I love anger. Like, <laughs> and, and one of the reasons is like when someone gets angry and they're almost kind of losing a little and they're showing that side of themselves, I'm like, I know that that's what they really think. Like, I know that I'm getting the true them, you know, like when you're in, you're in a relationship and then you start to fight and sometimes fights can be super productive because when, but sometimes they when are, the sometimes you're so angry, you say something that you're like, Ooh, yeah, I don't, that was not, you can't take that back. And it wasn't really what you meant to say. And it wasn't like constructive and it wasn't right. Right. Yeah. So I find it fairly as a human for whatever reason, I find it fairly easy to like, what do you call it? To filter that. Interesting. Right? And just to go, just to like see the raw emotion itself and go, Oh my gosh, this anger is, this affects you a lot. 
Like, Interesting. So what, whatever the topic is, is like this thing that you're saying, you may not be the person who's shouting in anger may not actually be expressing themselves in the best words in that moment, <laughs> but you, you, you damn well know how much it affects them. Right. And how important that thing is to them. And so that's the thing that I like about anger. Um, so it's hard to like, I think on stage at a summit may not be the best time for but that like, kind of raw emotion. Yeah. But at the same time, hearing a little anger in someone's voice as they're explaining, as they're explaining something like we sometimes like you're sometimes like accused of sounding angry or if you hear it, if you were to hear anger in someone's voice when they're explaining something in a, what would you say? I don't want to say in a rational way because that sounds like I'm making that the opposite of emotion, but like in a way that's like, like logical, like I'm just walking you through the logical steps of how I feel marginalized. Let's just say then, and I'm a little bit angry in the tone of my voice. Like, that's okay with me, right? I want to hear that because I want to know what that, what that marginalization feels like to that person. That's interesting. But that's then, I mean, you, what you're saying is using anger as like an expressive tool. And like, that's like a different thing than actually being, because that, that's like removed from the feeling itself. You know what I'm saying here? Like if I am able to use my partial of my feeling as a tool, then I'm not fully feeling like I'm trying to think of a good way to explain this. Do you understand what, do you understand what so I'm saying? No, we I'm not with terrible, you yet. Sorry. We're doing a terrible podcast this week. Just FYI. <laughs> it's like super not helpful for people. As Kelly and I in real time try to figure out what anger is. Uh, obviously no. because, well, okay. So one emotions and perception are filtered through the lens of like how you are perceived. Right. So obvious. So like when we talk about what is anger, like that is, I can think I'm not angry and someone else can think I'm very angry. A lot of times people think I'm angry when I'm not. And it's just because I talk fast. Like that's all like that's, that's, that's your perception. It's because I talk fast and I swear a bunch. Like I'm not actually angry. And so like, obviously, and then the other half sometimes why people think I'm angry when I'm not is what comes with all the loaded shit about like women's anger. Right. And that's like a whole nother set. And so it's hard to say, Oh, I'm like, it's hard to say anything definitive about that as an emotion or as a useful tool when it completely wrapped up in how we perceive it. If that makes sense. I agree with that. Yeah. But then if you are able to recognize how others perceive you and use how they perceive you usefully to achieve what you want to achieve, then I can see where you're saying like, Oh, then some amount of like what you are trying to do then by using some amount of anger is make them feel what you feel, right? You're trying to bring them along with you on this journey, but then that is not actually anger. Does that make sense? That is like a fraction of the feeling. It is a portion. It is a analytical use of an emotion. Mm-hmm. You see what I'm saying here? Yes. Yes. Sort of. Like I have been See, this is like for an example here. I'm going to tell a story now about okay. uh, my husband's medical issues and okay. people are going to be like, oh my God, but I'm like, I'm using the story and they feel emotions with it to make a point. Like I'm not, again, to this whole note of how people perceive and everything. Right. And you don't have to apologize for being angry or right. for telling this So I have been story. blindly, blindingly angry at the doctors in this thing because they keep like not listening to us because they sent us home from the ER and told him he was fine. And like... All through August, they kept telling you just having concussions and like blindingly angry, so angry. I like, I like want to fucking punch someone in the face, but being incredibly angry is not going to get me better. Like it's not going to solve his medical problems. However, letting them know that these are the things they have done wrong is going to solve that. Like they need to know what they have screwed up. Does that make sense? Yes. Yes. So I think, yeah. So what you're saying is like, you're, you're, 
identifying what the useful part of your anger is in this in this situation, right? Is that it, it might trigger you to act in some way, like letting someone know. Or like, I mean, your husband works at a job where policies could be affected by right. a personal experience, right? Well, they are affected by many people's experiences all the time, but... Obviously. obviously. So that's, but that's the kind of thing, like, he doesn't have to, he doesn't have to call his local... <laughs> local councilman and express his (laughs) anger. No, I mean, anger is an interesting thing because we are at a moment right now in history, currently in society where women's anger is high culturally. I mean, I don't know in Canada, maybe it's not in Canada, in the U S there's been a lot of research and a lot of work written recently about the use of women's anger and women's rage. And I even said this to someone today that I don't think and this is like a massive generalization statement. I don't think men in general understand how angry women are on the aggregate, on a large scale, not obviously any one individual. I don't think they realize because, I mean, obviously on like a research level, they do because there's all this stuff being written. But like, I think maybe we're just like telling each other how angry we are because it permeates every conversation I have with like every friend of mine who aren't even, you know, who are like low key people. This is like outside the realm of triathlon. Like it literally, there's like a low level anger constantly. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so if the way, if you, if we think about the way that we experience our, some of our friends or people that we know, women who are angry, right. Imagine you come from like a place where you have, you come from a variety of marginalized groups seeing that anger helps me to understand black women's anger or trans women's anger or um, non-binary people's anger. Like all of those, like I would use those experiences of myself being angry at my own marginalization to understand, oh, imagine that tenfold, a hundredfold if I was marginalized even more. So that would be another thing about anger that I'd find useful. And that's why sometimes I want to hear it and know it. Oh, on that note. Mm -hmm. Well, we're actually going to transition in a second to, to, to my mom being very angry, but the idea of like using your experience to see what other people think. So someone once told me that being a cyclist is the closest a uh, white man probably comes to ever feeling marginalized, which is true because you're largely tr- like assumed, like the presumption is certain things about you. You're treated really shitty. You're treated second class. Like when the police show up, they assume you did something wrong. Like, right. You're, this is just, and you're like, Hmm. And it makes you so physically angry. Like when like cars try to run you off the road, extrapolate that then to <laughs> all the time, always. <laughs> And you're like, oh, no wonder the rates of like high blood pressure or high blood pressure is h- higher in African-Americans. <laughs> like, right. there's like a, like, it's just, it's shitty. Right. So yeah. if we were riding, <laughs> we would be angry right now <laughs> all the time. But yes, my mom did have a voicemail that was uh, quite, I guess we're using the word feisty instead of angry. Hmm. She was feisty. Let's listen. Man, oh man, let's have a little talk about boycotts. Personal boycotts are for the person so that they feel like a good person, so that they feel that they're doing the right thing. I don't for a minute think that Nike is going to fall apart because I didn't buy a pair of shoes from them the one time I buy shoes every two years. It's, It's about the choices you make as a person. Now, you said in there, like, you know, people who, who do this whole, well, Nike's not the worst company ever. I don't give a damn. That other company did such and such, or this company did that. So what? When you stand there and are trying to buy something, you have a choice. 
if one other company behaves better than Nike, you have a choice to support that better company. I don't care whether Nike's the worst ever. Make the choice every single time to support the people who do better. They don't have to be perfect, just better. And the whole thing about the shoes, the shoes, Jesus Christ. So what if it's going to take two minutes off your time? If you're really, really good, your marathon's going to be, what, 150 minutes? You can get that two minutes somewhere else. And most of you, go ahead and admit it, aren't that good. Your marathon time's going to be 200 minutes. So you take 1% of your time by, by giving money to a company that is evil? I hope you enjoy that win. Oh, oh. Boycotts are about you being a good person, not about them. Make the right choice. So I particularly love uh, someone who's clearly never run a marathon. Who's like, just run two minutes faster. I thought, just do that. It's not a big deal. <laughs> yeah, get you. If I could, if I, it made me think of like all the thousands of dollars I've lost over two minutes, just like as a professional athlete. But to be fair, your her your mom's follow up point to that about. The, the running running two minutes faster doesn't matter to most people like once you're out of the elite level or once you're not winning something then like it's like me with crossfit like i would i would pick an ethical choice of a company to buy clothing from over performance in crossfit because i'm not winning anything ever and so the other thing i like that your mom said was that like the idea of focusing on or i'm probably just extrapolating on what okay, she said you're just, you're just putting in your own points it's fine <laughs> just like that's okay i don't have to apologize for that um, that like to focus on brands that are ethical, you know, and to just to focus on putting your money towards good brands instead of boycotting the quote unquote bad ones. Oh right? no, she boycotts so, the bad ones. She definitely right. boycotts. Oh, let's, I know she does. Real. That's why I'm saying I'm agreeing with her, but maybe not. Like maybe, <laughs> maybe I would choose to put my energy into finding out what the good brands are doing and who I should support instead of who I shouldn't support. It's like, it's like a different way to frame what a boycott can look like. So instead of like boycotting Nike, I'm like looking, who is the most ethical shoe company and how, when, where do I get their shoes? I think you also obviously got to just make your choices for yourself, which is kind of what we said last week. Like there are just things like, you're like, I just, I can't do that. And it's not because you think you're going to change everything though. I do reject that notion because if enough people make a decision, Amazon goes out of business. All right. And if Amazon goes out of business, the world's better off. Like that's just true. So I do think that you can't, it does make it, but you have to make your choices because you're like, no, I just can't do that. Like I, like I've always been like anti diamonds, like long before everybody watched that movie with Leonardo DiCaprio. And I was just like, no, like you just can't do that. Like, I just, I can't, it's not like that's too bad, too wrong for me. Like I'm, I'm not on board. Anti what? I'm sorry. Diamonds, like diamonds, diamonds are terrible evil. And like, yes, there are like the Kimberly Accords and like processes now that track, but like not really. There are ways to get around that and it's too complicated and it's unnecessary and it's a manufactured desire anyway. So I'm just, I'm not, I'm done. That's just like a thing I will, I will not, do not buy. Does that make You're sense? You're done with buying diamonds? I never have been. I never have That's... ever bought one. But I'm saying like, that is just that, for example, that is a thing where it's like, maybe I'm not going to change the global industry, but I'm just like, it's for me personally, like I'm just never going to be okay with that. Right. So you have to make your own choices about the things that you're just like not okay with. You're just like, nope. 
True. Can you see I'm smiling right now? (laughs) An image of you in like a diamond tiara (laughs) necklace is just like rolling through my mind. I can't can't get rid of it. I actually haven't I ever told you my theory like I am not uh we're totally getting off subject again who knows I am not like a trendsetter in anything right like I'm usually behind the trends except when it comes to outrage whatever is the thing that I'm pissed off about is the thing everyone's going to be pissed off about in five years like that's just generally true so when everyone got super angry about diamonds and they actually had to start implementing a lot of reforms and there's a reason like all the companies i was like yes (laughs) like i was there (laughs) so just so you all know the thing i'm really upset about these days well it have been for like a year or two here is the fundamental fucked upness of the economy and the gig economy and how it is not set up for for an entire generation to succeed and takes advantage of its workers. And I increasingly am having to make my own personal choices where I just like cannot use these systems that exploit gig workers and don't pay them as employees and don't give them benefits and like the entire structure is wrong. So that's the thing that I'm, I'm just, I'm predicting for you. I think, I think people are going to be right with you in less than five years. (laughs) Well, yeah, a couple of years here now coming by next year. (laughs) I know everyone's already out here in California. That's already the thing that everyone's like, yeah, so we're all getting fucked, right? Yep. Definitely all getting fucked. (laughs) We're like, yep. Yep. So, all right. So. Are there things you boycott? You personally, are there companies that you're like, nope, not doing that. Not there. Oh, man. You put me on the spot. I mean, like just things where you're like, nope. Like I just, I'm not, I just can't. I'm just not. I'm done. I think there probably are, but I can't think of them right now. Um, (laughs) You're like, ooh. ooh." Because I do think actually when you like just so internalize some of these, you don't even think about it anymore. It's just like a thing you don't do. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But like more and more, just like to my point is like I and the more I hang out with entrepreneurs too, like I like to support by I like to support people who are like through social entrepreneurship and people mm-hmm. who are doing good things. Um, and the more I hang out with entrepreneurs and try to like get plugged in in that community because they're my peeps now. Don't oh, good. Know, okay. I will support things that like that are worth supporting. You'll support things that are worth supporting. That is some, that is some insight coming from Sarah right now. <laughs> right after this podcast, I'm totally going to bed, by the way. <laughs> All right, everybody. I want to like, what are you, I think we should like call out here. What are the things that you're yeah. just like boycott, will not buy, won't touch. You're done. We'd like to know. Speaking of which, speaking of to buy <laughs> or not to buy. After, after the, the break. break is now a good time to buy Iron Man. And should we do it? We would like to thank Noon Hydration for supporting the podcast. Get 30% off your order by using the code IRONWOMEN at noonlife.com. That's IRONWOMEN at noonlife.com. And follow at If We Were Riding on all the social medias and leave us a review on iTunes. Also, tell your actual friends in person how awesome we are, because that works too. If We Were Riding is a Live Feisty Media production and is hosted by Kelly O'Mara and me, Sarah Gross. Our marvelous editor is Aaron Hamilton. My time, my time. None of you people can tell me to stop this time like the last time. You better get ready to race in the top. I'm ready to do this. Show you what the truth is. I step
on the field. It's time to get real. I'm feeling so ruthless. All right. So Iron Man went public earlier this year, uh, which my husband last night was like, Iron Man went public. And I was like, ooh, brain injury. He went public <laughs> earlier this year. Iron Man went public earlier this year, had an IPO that was arguably the worst IPO uh, public like initial day on the stock market this year and so even since amazing. then amazing <laughs> it was just terrible it was just like they wanted like 15 or 16 it came in at like 10 or 12 went down to like six or seven anyway it hit a low earlier this week of 280 a share two dollars and 80 cents which is not good so the question on the slow twitch and it's a fair question is so is now actually a good time to buy yeah. And so what does that mean for like, what if you wanted to own and have control of Iron Man? Like how much money would you need? Well, you can't have control because of the way they structured it is that they're, they're non-voting shares. Does that make sense? Oh yeah. Totally. Like it's like a two to one type of thing too. So like the, the Wanda essentially retains a majority and the voting rights. It's complicated. You can go look it up. I like wrote a whole thing about it back when they went IPO. So you can't take it over. But you could buy a portion right now and like odds are you'll make your money back because like there is inherent value there. It's being undervalued right now for a number of reasons. Like it had a bad earnings call. It's being sued. Wanda Sports is being sued for misrepresenting uh, their financial well-being. FYI. Awesome. <laughs> awesome. By share like a class action by shareholders. But I feel like you should buy it right now. I feel like you should just go and buy a bunch of Iron Man stock. And Man, then no. sell it in like five to six months and you'll make hella money. No, not me. Not me. If I can't, if I can't have control, I don't want any. Okay. 